Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for another edition of the Free Exchange of Ideas with Donovan and John. We are here to help you out. Now, let's just get to it. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Free Exchange of Ideas. Uh, we're going to continue on today with uh, world uh, economic power, not economic power, I apologize, but with um, alternative power sources, uh, wind, solar, nuclear, uh, 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 I said solar, uh, biofuels, there's a wave and, and uh, hydro. So we're going to discuss that real quickly. We're going to focus on just like two or three of them, maybe I think five actually total, right? Uh, because we've already talked about the other, the other ones. And, and so this will be like the third, I think it's the third installment. So we'll do one, two, and three. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about Iceland. Iceland is one of the few countries on the planet that is almost 100% uh, renewable fuels. They use geothermal to create electricity. Geothermal actually creates about 85% of their um, electricity, which is uh, pretty freaking impressive. They also use, um, um, I'm sorry, uh, hydropower and uh, geothermal together to create electricity. But that, the, and, and some of the geothermal is coming from, they have like 200 volcanoes on this island. This island isn't big. I think we discussed it. And, and I, I apologize, I don't know the exact number, but I'm thinking there's less than half a million people there. It's really quite small uh, and beautiful from the photos that I've seen. So back to uh, 200 volcanoes, large number of hot springs. So bad. What's that? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that'd be a great place to go. Uh, you know, not going to Europe or Germany or, you know, whatever. I know Germany's part of Europe, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's one of those places that's really kind of out of the way and has so much going on. Um, they, uh, they, like I said, they also have a number of hot springs and therefore abundant sources of heat, easily accessible underground water. This is converted into energy for both uh, power generation and direct use applications. So uh, they're, they're really focused on staying that uh, course. And um, like I said, they're using not just geothermal, but they're also using um, hydropower. So uh, they have a lot of um, waterfalls and running, big running rivers. Uh, so they're able to really use that water to generate uh, energy to use throughout the island. It's just, it's just fascinating. Everybody goes there to study that, uh, how they do it and try to bring it back to where they're at. And I, I know the, the biggest problem with like the United States or uh, even Mexico or Russia is just, we're so large, physically large countries and the three, the three that I mentioned, United States, Mexico, and, and uh, Russia have, you know, millions of people. Uh, the United States is like 330 million right now, a little over 330 million people. Uh, Russia is right there. Mexico is like 300 million people. Uh, scaling something like that uh, without, like Iceland has all the, all the volcanoes, Right, scaling something like that without having those base resources just doesn't work. Uh, so I think uh, wind is probably going to be the way, wind and solar probably be the way that United States goes. Um, probably with some some. Uh, now I have to look hydro hydropower. So 
Um, that's just my thought on that. But on top of what Iceland is doing, there's a new um, wind company, Norwegian company called Wind Catching Systems. And they are building uh, wind farms that are not um, just the big windmills. Uh, the, the big windmills, it takes too much to build those and push them far enough out uh, into the ocean to really generate a lot of energy. And then of course the transfer of energy from there to the, to the mainland, you're talking, you know, cables the size of transatlantic phone cables. We're talking, you know, uh, uh, five, foot, five foot diameter cables. So uh, this new wind system, and I promise you, I will put this all in the, all in, on, in the box, but uh, I don't know if I can, oh no, it's embedded. Oh, there we go. That should help. I hope you can see this okay. I'm gonna bring it right up to the glass there. See how that's set in there? And those are just little, uh, what do you call it? Could you see that, Donovan? Fair, like a webbing? Huh? No, it's not webbing. Like a webbing? Fair. Was it a webbing? No, it's just a, it's a big frame and, and cross members, but it has, yeah, like lattice cross members, but it has um, uh, twisty turbines in it rather than, rather than um, propeller-like. This thing generates five times the energy that an equivalent wind farm would generate closer to shore, which allows for better transfer of energy to shore. Uh, because now you're talking a shorter cable, still big, but shorter distance. Uh, and that's important. And if you talk to anybody that does uh, electrical work, you don't want distance to be your issue because the further it goes, the more resistance it builds up and the less you get at the other end. Um, so uh, there's there's ways to help it, but you know, with transformers and stuff, but nonetheless, you still lose. This is supposed to be much more efficient, uh, closer to shore, generates five times the amount that uh, an equivalent wind farm generates right now. Uh, this company is supposed to be going out, <clears throat> pardon me, um, it, it's a, they're developing this, but it looks really, I mean, it looks very promising. Uh, it's a floating multi-turbine technology for wind farms that could generate five times the annual energy of the world's largest single wind turbine. That's monster. Uh, the increased efficiency is due to an innovative design that reinvents the way wind farms uh, look and perform. Unlike traditional wind farms or wind turbines, which consist of one pole and three gargantuan blades, uh, the so-called wind catcher is articulated in a square grid with over 100 small blades. At 1,000 feet high, the system is over three times as tall as an average wind turbine, and it stands on a floating platform that's anchored to the ocean floor, so it's not going anywhere. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty well balanced, so that even in a, a good storm, it's not going to fall over, and so you know get damaged and need to be replaced immediately. Um, the company is planning on building a prototype next year, and if it succeeds, the wind catcher could revolutionize the way we harness wind power. I just think that that is great. Um, I love that we're not quitting on innovation. Uh, once we, once in general, uh, we figured out how to use wind and know that, you know, oh, these three blades will turn this engine and generate energy. 
and we didn't stop there. We found new ways, better ways to make it better, to make it more efficient, to make transfer of energy more efficient. Uh, nobody stopped thinking. Uh, just the fact that we're still trying uh, makes me happy <laughs> to, to kind of shorten it. But uh, I just think that that's probably one of the great ways to go. Solar is another great way to go. The, the, the more efficient we get with solar and, and more room that we use for solar, like uh, large uh, schools where they're making their parking lot solar generated, uh, apartment complexes, which, is, which are using uh, their uh, carports and putting solar panels on top of that and generating energy for the uh, uh, complex. Um, the biggest problem with solar and wind is that it's not a 24-7 thing. And so you have to create storage systems. Um, same with wind. Wind doesn't work 24-7. Sometimes we just don't get no wind for weeks. So you have to create storage systems so that when we do get the energy, we can store it pluses and minuses, right? But we're moving forward. And I think we're moving forward in a good way. Um, I think that's really all I have about solar because I don't, because it's not about the, the specific things. We have to get them better, um, more efficient. That's the thing we're looking at now. I think, I think storage is going to be the next big, um, big change in the, in the industry. Bless you. Sorry. Donovan, how about you tell us what you got? All right. Well, I am. Let me move it over. Uh, a quick side note, a little quick little tangent of things that you mentioned. Oh, okay. Uh, U.S. has a population of 332,915,000. So almost so, 30, uh, it's almost 333. Yeah, so uh, Mexico, hold on one second. Where'd it go? I love him. He always checks my numbers. He's like my accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico, Mexico has 130,262,000. Really? Uh, I Russia, really thought they were much closer to us. Yeah. Russia is 145 million. Almost 140. Mexico. 912. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, not very, not very popular. Oh, I'm sorry. I did, I did want to thank you for pointing those numbers out to me. I did want to say, I just heard a news report today about uh, why solar panels are becoming difficult to find, difficult for companies to, to get to put on your house. Most of the solar panels that we get come from China. And currently, China is cutting their production and cutting their uh, sales outside of China. Donovan, <laughs> I'm gonna shut One up. Thing. Oh yeah. Iceland population estimate of 2021 is 371,580. So yeah, less than half a million. Yeah, less than half a million. Hey, I was closer than I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one, this one, I looked those up while you're talking. Okay, hold on really quick. Let me look this up here. I'm gonna talk about really quick. Um, biofuels, which we did kind of discuss a little bit last time. So I'm just going to do a quick blurb on it, just kind of. Uh, so biofuels are um, biomass energy sources, uh, which use animal and or plant life to create energy. Um, and uh, so they're basically it's energy obtained from organic matter. Um, right. It's renewable if it comes from plants. Uh, obviously, so they can be regrown on a yearly basis. Uh, however, they do require a dedicated machinery for extraction, 
which does contribute to increased emissions, even if the biofuels that they are, uh, um, uh, I don't, what's the word I want to use? Um, Processing? Not excavating, but, but oh. <laughs> farming, uh, uh, you know, doesn't produce or reduces uh, emissions. But biofuels are increasingly being adopted in the U.S. in particular, but they only made up 7% of transport fuel consumption as of 2012. And I do want to say, like, one of the things when Alex talked about that was one of the things that we learned of, that I learned right. I was surprised about the, the emissions that they they produced, you know, so it was pretty, pretty fascinating. So, yeah, um, so that's, you know, biofuels is that. Um, I am going to talk really quickly. I did talk about tidal energy last time. So right. uh, I'm going to kind of combine uh, wave energy and hydroelectric. Hydroelectric is all pretty well known. Uh, you know, we create a dam. We release the water, turns turbines, creates electricity, pretty self-explanatory. Um, uh, so, but it only produces 7% of energy produced in the United States. So uh, interesting little fact there about that. So, um, you know, you, gotta have, any you obviously have to have, you have to have the water source to do that and stuff like that. So yeah, I could see that being obviously an issue of, of where and how. Uh, so hydroelectric, pretty self-explanatory. I think we all kind of know what that is. Um, seven percent energy production in the U.S. Though. Okay. The other one I want to talk about is uh, wave energy, uh, slightly different than tidal. Um, it, alternative energy fuel. Uh, let's see. It, its advantage over tidal energy is that it could be placed anywhere in the ocean in various situations and locations, so it doesn't have to. The be wave energy can. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. uh, but much like tidal, the benefits come in the lack of waste that's produced. It's also more reliable uh, than many other forms of alternative energy, and uh, uh, it still has enormous potential that it's that's still being studied. Um, does, do they? Does it sit on the ocean floor or on the floor? Not necessarily way the hell out there, but um, or does it? Ooh. Does it float somewhere in the middle, kind of? Point absorber, oscillating wave surge converter, oscillating water column, overtopping slash terminator. <laughs> submerged pressure differential, bulge wave device, and rotating mass. So those are those are the, like would you say eight different ones? Eight, eight types based on the technology used. Oh, that's uh, cool. I should have studied this more. So I was just looking at the board, but that doesn't give me a lot of. Actually, doesn't give me a lot of info here. Um, even on Wikipedia. You mean like on who's making it or or uh, what no, they do? Uh, wave power. Useful uh, work. Desalination, open water. What wave power generation is not widely employed in commercial technology compared to other established renewable energy sources such as wind power, hydro, and solar. There have been attempts to use this source of energy since at least 1890, uh, mainly due to its high power density. As comparison, the power density of photovoltaic panels, solar, uh, at peak solar insulation, and the power density of wind. The average annual power density waves. Oh, okay. oh, San Francisco costs is 25 uh, kilowatt. Is that million squared? I don't know how to say that. What so, does it look like? Can you yeah, show it to in me? The world, in 2000, the world's first commercial wave power device, the Ile Limpet, was installed on the coast of Ile, Scotland. Is it Ile? Ile. Ile? How do they say it? I don't have any idea. I, like the like the scotch. 
uh, in Scotland, is in Scotland and connected to the national grid. Oh, wow. In 2008, the first experimental multi-generator wave farm was opened in Portugal at the, excuse me for saying this, Agucadora Wave Park. Hmm, fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. I will put this link in there. I did not study this as in-depth as I'm now looking now. <laughs> um, and there are eight different technologies for uh, wave energy uh, uh, production. Okay. So I'm not going to go into all of them. <laughs> but wave energy, obviously you have to be close to the coast to, to do something like that as well. So it's not obviously good for every country. Um, but if you're a coastal state, it might be, you know, might be worth look, worthwhile looking into. Uh, yeah. Let me go back to where I was at. Uh, so wave energy, uh, place in the ocean in various situations and locations. Uh, no, enormous potential. Um, Sounds like it. But uh, basically it's still uptake. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot of, um, I guess, fusion of money going into that necessarily compared to some of the other like wind and solar. Um, and obviously that's obvious reasons, I think, because you, you have to have access to that too. So, um, you know, a lot of landlocked countries, states and stuff like that, would it, sure. like, why would they put money into doing something like that? So I see that. Um, well, I think they would put it more into the hydroelectric, you know, dam, dam a river, that kind of thing. If there's a water source too, right? You gotta have the water right. source for that as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. And you so have to think, and when you do think that, you have to think downriver as well, like yeah, like yeah. what or or upriver, like what happened in in uh, China when they did the the three river or the three gorges dam, they they lost all those fish up upstream. So yeah, yeah. So and then you got to look at other things too, like the, to get somewhat climate, which we talked about earlier too. Like one of the things I just heard uh, was that uh, you know the um, with uh, current climate conditions the way they are, even in the US, the Colorado River, uh, they had to reduce power and stuff like that. They had limited the, because there's less water, they're producing less energy and stuff like that. I guess they kind of plan for that in advance for this year. But what they're doing now is they're looking at long-term plans of basically being less water available to produce hydroelectric power on the Colorado River. So um, as, yeah. as, if things keep going, the droughts keep going as they are, stuff like that, it's definitely gonna be also limited water and it's going to produce limited energy so it's definitely something to look at in the future for the u.s and, you know maybe luckily only seven percent of the power in the u.s is produced by electro hydroelectric but um definitely you know a lot of that's on the west west coast so um so it definitely uh matters a lot to people colorado arizona new new, new mexico nevada california in particular the most populated state so yeah, um, california yeah. is more worried about water than they are about power from Colorado, from Colorado's dam works. Yeah, the water, water's, I mean, but it's all water-based, right? So yeah, right. so um, it's it's definitely something, I didn't, I didn't really do study on that, but definitely something I, you know, I'll look at that article though, um, and then stick that in there. The other thing too, and we, and we were talking about too, is one of the things I was reading about this recently too, about the Colorado River, and um, was releasing water, you know, so originally the Colorado River flowed all the way down into Mexico. So now Mexico doesn't get hardly any water because we're using all that water for ourselves. There's uh, some deal met with, with them to release some of that water um, and reinvigorating the old Delta. 
and uh, what that does for the environment down there. So um, try to figure that out. You also look at the Nile River, Egypt, um, you know, is trying to, to use dams and stuff like that, and also um, Ethiopia. So you're looking at those two big countries uh, basically fighting over water on the Nile River there. Right. So I think Ethiopia, it, 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 it starts in Ethiopia and flows out to, towards uh, Egypt, uh, out into the Mediterranean. So Ethiopia was like, we're going to build these dams and, you know, use all the energy and take all the water. And Egypt's like, WTF, you know, like, <laughs> so right. it's been interesting, interesting uh, little political, geo, geopolitical dynamic going on over there in North Africa. Uh, the, I've been kind of keeping an eye on because it's kind of interesting to see two of the big, big uh, uh, African powers. So, uh, but, you know, things like that, you know, you got to think about things like that, you know, the U.S. and Mexico, you know, what happened, what would happen, say, if Canada dammed up a river that's floating into the U.S., you know, like, they said, the hell with you guys, <laughs> you know, right. so you know, there's, 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 so there's that taken into consideration, too, I think, I mean, yeah, hydroelectric, but that's all kind of political stuff, and I'm not going to get into that, um, but uh, I think, uh, Johnny, is it your turn? I have something actually kind of piggybacking on uh, water turbine generators. Uh, there's a, and this is a, a small thing. This is more for camping or um, a, like a, a, a gold, what do they call it? Gold country cabin, which is really just like the size of a closet. You can put a bed in there. Um, and what it is, is a, a small, about this big turbine that you can drop in the creek. And what it does, is it generates enough power to charge your phones, to uh, run a, a small like Coleman type stove, uh, that kind of thing. It's actually a really, really neat idea. And there's, and I didn't realize there are tons of different kinds of small hydro hydropower uh, type systems. There's also this, uh, uh, there's this other one that I just, I love the crap out of this one. Um, the whirlpool turbines, uh, the water, you, you're next to a creek, you build a sluice to draw, to draw water from the creek. And what it goes downhill into a, a slipped turbine and back out to the creek. And in doing so, that turbine can, because it's a good sized turbine, I think the, the turbine hole looks like it's about four feet across. So it's, it's a good sized turbine inside of that hole. Uh, it says it can generate enough power to, um, uh, to provide electricity to a small neighborhood, uh, 10, 12, 15 houses. I thought that's pretty cool. Somebody ought to be doing that. Uh, yeah, so Donovan, now we're gonna talk about um, nuclear power, yeah? Yeah, and a quick little history about this. Uh, back when I was at San Jose State as a student, um, in my uh, one of my poli sci classes, we were studying it, we we're doing energy stuff. Um, and we each got side, yeah, poli sci, one of my poli sci classes. Um, I'd have to look up which one it was, I can't remember, but poli sci class, we we're basically doing energy, and we all each of us got assigned in a group. We were in a group, and we each got assigned oh. all, all a different alternative energy source. I got nuclear. Um, and I would have to say at the time back in 2004, I was not necessarily big on nuclear energy. But within that class and studying nuclear energy and stuff like that, I became a really big fan of nuclear energy because of that. 
Um, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of there's and, a lot of great points in nuclear. And, and and now that we've been doing this, and I went back and studied nuclear energy again, uh, I'm still a big fan of nuclear energy. But uh, the pros of nuclear energy, I actually took notes. So you know, when I took notes, I actually just studied wow. It. So um, yeah. So pros of nuclear energy. I'm gonna try to go through this really quick. It's sure. very low pollution. Um, there's very little to no discharge of greenhouse gases. Um, when you look at nuclear energy, the World, Nu uh, World Nuclear Association says nuclear energy produces 29 tons of CO2 uh, per gigawatt hour, uh, compared solar energy is 85 tons per gigawatt hour. Wind is the best one, uh, 26 tons per gigawatt hour. Coal, 888 tons per gigawatt hour. And lignite uh, is 1,054. Uh, what was that last one? Uh, lignite. Like what is that? Um, oh, it's coal. Lignite. Yeah, it's you make me look this up. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just, I'm sorry. I thought you knew. I yeah, the lignite. It's it's basically it's basically kind of like they use it for coal. But uh, oh, okay. so um, okay. one thousand fifty four tons of CO two produced per gigawatt hour. So um, wow. the uh, other thing is that's uh, number two. It's, it's a very high power output. A uh, small amount of uranium can fuel a 1,000 megawatt uh, electric plant, uh, which can power a city of half a million people. Um, nuclear energy has the capacity to handle large-scale power needs, uh, such as manufacturing and industry, while wind and solar don't yet. They don't quite have that capacity yet. So, right. Um, uh, uh, three, it's very stable. Um, 20% of the electricity in the U.S. comes from nuclear power plants out of 98 plants in the United States in 30, in 30 different states, cool. uh, which I did. I looked at, I have a map I can send out. We'll, we'll, okay. I'll send that to John to put it. So um, uh, it has low operating costs. Um, it's uh, estimated cost of managing the disposal, estimated cost of managing disposal radioactive waste and disposal, waste and disposal. I, I, the cost of disposal of radioactive waste is 33 to 50% that of a coal plant and 20 to 25% of a gas combine. So um, oh. once you start, you know, taking those apart, um, nuclear plants have a lifespan of 40 to 60 years currently. Um, the DOE, Department of Energy, estimates uh, replacing a one gigawatt nuclear power plant would require a two gigawatt coal plant or a three to four gigawatts. Uh, renewable energy source uh, such as uh, wind or solar to replace the energy from the nuclear power plant. Right. Um, <clears throat> five, it's really reliable. It doesn't doesn't depend on the weather or anything like that. Uh, isn't affected by anything like that. Um, it's a very proficient. It's a high energy density um, compared to fossil fuels. Um, the amount of fuel required to power a nuclear power plant is much less than it is than conventional power. So compared to coal, obviously, and stuff like that. Right. Uh, doesn't rely on fossil fuels, uh, isn't affected by, by um, uh, the changing costs of, of fossil fuels, which go up and down, stuff like that. So um, doesn't depend on that either. Uh, it's economic implant, nuclear power plants can um, employ anywhere from 400 to 700 permanent people, uh, 90 people for a coal plant, 50 for natural gas. That's what I have here. So. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, nuclear nuclear power, nuclear energy is really neat. Uh, the cons yeah, of nuclear energy 
environmental impact. Uh, mining and processing of uranium is, uh, uh, I mean, I'm gonna say rather dirty. Uh, it's not clean. Transporting it is also a potential environmental hazard as well. Um, disposal of radioactive waste is dangerous. It's difficult. Radioactive, high temperature uh, waste. It's expensive and high maintenance as well. Once you start uh, disposing of that, so keeping an eye all on right. all that stuff too. Well, and so, you got to remember when you're talking about uh, on site. And um, at disposal sites, security, the security people that, you, that are out there are military level security. So they're not cheap and there's a bunch of them. Well, one of the things Stu was talked about was like, you know, it's a uh, terrorists are trying to access nuclear information for themselves. And also they're saying uh, they, these could be uh, obviously nuclear power plants, nuclear waste disposal uh, facilities as well, could be targets for terrorists as well. So uh, sure. I say good luck with that. <laughs> what, I, what I'm going to say to that. Um, the, the third one is accidents. Yeah, you talk about Three Mile Island, you talk about Chernobyl, you talk about Fukushima. Um, so those are the three big ones. Those, I, think, know, the, the, I think, though. The ones that you, we know about. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, if, if you think about it, how many, how many plants did you say are just in the United States? 90, 98. 98 so. just in the United States and I and uh, Chernobyl was not the only one in Russia Fukushima was yeah, not yeah. the only one in Japan yeah. France is yeah. really high on uh, nuclear power and to have only three major ours, incidences three major incidences right and and honestly only only Chernobyl is still a hot pile. Uh, Three Mile yeah, Island yeah. was cleaned up very quickly. It's still a little, still got three-eyed fish, but Three Mile Island was cleaned up very quickly. I was really surprised at how quickly they were able to clean up Fukushima. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're still yeah. a, they're still a no-go zone there, but to clean that area, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, it, it that really turned off the Japanese too to nuclear energies, but because they they were really big on nuclear energy too. Um, and now, from what I was reading after that. Uh, that they are like trying to turn on like obvious reasons for <laughs> let's say <laughs> nuclear energy in japan um but uh you know um but uh, yeah so it's 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 it, i i can see that too but yeah the disposal the disposal of radioactive waste is is um like i said dangerous difficult and expensive and high maintenance and so i bet and i bet japan actually has to loop offshore to send their because there's really i mean japan is a small is several small islands so probably not a lot of space to you don't want to put that right up on the on the big mountain there fuji yeah so but but, the, but as we could see in fukushima and in chernobyl the accents can be devastating absolutely you know, if if it happens so um number four high cost upfront high cost of building a nuclear power plant right um so estimates u.s estimates and it's, this is interesting U.S. estimates of building a nuclear power plant are $3.5 billion to $6 billion. South Africa uh, was considering building a 9.5-megawatt um, plant. I can't read my notes. But the estimates for it were between $34 and $84 billion. So they scrapped it. Um, why was it so much more so there for a smaller yeah, that that i didn't get to see why i it could have been because it was a higher a higher um uh production power plant 
that's the only thing I could kind of think of. It didn't say when I was reading it, oh, so I'd have to okay. look into that. I was curious. I was I was wondering the same thing. Like, why did this cost so much more than than in the U.S.? I mean, so, yeah, it's it's um, like a factor number, not just you know two or three. It's a factor of two or three, which is all different. Yeah. So, but yeah, so but high costs up front to build them, but once they're built, cheap to run and produce inexpensive energy. So. And you said they re- um, so they last got, what like forty to sixty years? Forty to sixty years. Forty to sixty years. So yeah, that's a um, long time. Yeah. Um, number five, uranium. It's a very finite, um, um, I guess, uh, ore. You know, it, actually, they're saying there's probably only maybe eighty years of of uranium left in the world. Um, oh, wow. At least that we know of. <laughs> so, and sure. it's only found in a few countries. So it's not found a lot. It's it's it's, it's a relatively rare um, ore. So it's not renewable. Found in a few countries, and it's limited amount. So that's the other thing that with, with the nuclear uh, power, we're talking about nuclear fission. Um, right. So um, I'll I'll, men- I'll talk about nuclear fusion really quickly, which has been in the news a little bit lately, which me and John have talked about. Yeah. Um, and uh, really excited about still not that. viable yeah not a not a viable uh energy source as of yet um but if and when that does become a thing that's good that's gonna be a worldwide game changer right there so yeah absolutely because they're, but, uh, they're talking they're, about the, the reason it's not viable is because of payment yeah, uh, so uh, Lawrence Livermore was doing some experiments on on fusion out there. They had some success on it. Uh, I think they got seventy percent of the power back from what they put into it, which yeah. was pretty high. So uh, that's the best that they've done. Uh, the other thing is trying to contain it. So um, you're fusing fusing an atom together uh, uh, compared to splitting an atom, which is what fusion is. Uh, it's it's a uh, different different type of beast so that's kind of once we can keep that so it's not just creating that energy it's containing that energy so you know we don't all die (laughs) i'm not a russian nuclear scientist i don't know what kind of safety gears safety uh backups they had there obviously they failed um and obviously we learned from that too um so i think and i'm sure the russians have obviously as well as like okay here's what happened how do we not make this happen again so, right. you, know, so we, you know, not saying, you know, you know, we're from your mistakes. That's a pretty big mistake, obviously. But uh, <laughs> there's that fear that that could happen. But when you look at that, that could happen. You look at power, uh, coal plants, you know, the production of greenhouse gases and emissions uh, that they definitely produce, you know, that and that happens when you use a coal power plant or, or right. gas, that they produce a ton, uh, a lot of you know, a pollution. So, you know, nuclear power plants don't create pollution, um, you know, unless there's, you know, something happens, which is rare, right? So, yeah. and, and so you kind of look at balancing that out, I guess. So, you know, so we have 98 plants in the United States, one accident that we know of, <laughs> I'm throw that in there, you know, through my island 42 years ago. So um, yeah, what did we learn from that? You know, so and 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 uh, so it's it's just I think I think nuclear energy is very viable. Um, and they're looking at uh, as I was just talking about I ended on uranium. They're looking at polonium, uh, which is a byproduct of, of nuclear power plants right. from the waste. Uh, another one they're looking at is thorium. And uh, so those are the other ones they're looking at. You know, they're trying to make uh, nuclear nuclear power. Uh, um, you know. 
I guess, more viable um, and easier yeah. to get. Uh, I think if we, if we could figure out how to use polonium, which is a byproduct of fission from nuclear power plants currently, and apparently we have a lot of it, <laughs> that would be a good way to go. Um, and then you look at other things too, like they're decommissioning uh, the the old Nimitz class aircraft carriers and their mm -hmm. nuclear power plant, yeah. nuclear power, nuclear power subs, nuclear power subs and stuff like that as well. So nuclear power and you know is is around and you know I would say relatively safe. Yeah, to to sit in front of the bullet all day long and watch attack things, and and make sure that that thing stays neutral. Just, and I are not nuclear scientists. No, <laughs> but, but I'm a big I'm a big nuclear power backer uh, ever since you know 2004 when I studied nuclear energy. And, yeah. and I would say up, well. until then, up until then I was I would say relatively indifferent, if not even against nuclear power. Um, but I've always been kind of for it ever since then. Um, the thing about nuclear energy. Even, even today, is that so many people are, and please don't take this the wrong way, so many people are ignorant about how it works and how good it works and how clean it is. Yeah, that was in the details. Hey, so, thank you so that's much. All I, have. I think, I think uh, Donovan did a fantastic job here. And of course, I always think I do a good job, but Donovan has, has pointed out that I don't sometimes. He's, he's good for that. He keeps my ego checked out. <laughs> Listen, we're going to, I, I just want to say this uh, to, uh, to our audience, all three, four of you. Um, <laughs> we are going to be changing our focus to uh, civics in about three weeks. Because I'm going to run this show. This is the last of this, this set. So this is this is show three, from one and two are with uh, uh, Alex. Um, from this point, we're going to start working on civics and and what civics is to us. To me, uh, civics, the 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 essence of civics. I should that's not right. Not the essence of civics, but the um, the base of civics for the United States. And I'm, I'm pointing at the Constitution. I know my, my giant head is in the way. But um, for me, civics. Enormous head. Yeah. But my political civics, uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, how we accomplish things in Congress, that kind of stuff. We're going to focus on that. We're also going to focus on what we call um, public civics, where you, you uh, donate your time or you donate your energy, you donate your money or you work uh, for uh, charities and that kind of thing. Uh, Donovan has um, adopted children, which is uh, just an amazing thing to me. It's, that's, that's a big heart. That's a bigger heart than you know, people really generally have to reach out to help children in need just because. There's no other reason. They are in need and you're gonna reach out and help them. Um, we uh, wanna focus on military civics, uh, service in the military and, and what happens when you come home. We are going to start working on those things. We'll probably do some other interviews because I really enjoy doing the interviews. We would love to talk to, I was gonna say Cara Dune, but that was her character, the Mandalorian. We'd love to talk to her. We would love to talk to, can you help me out with that, Donovan? Talk to who? Yeah, I know you talk about. It. I don't remember her name, but yeah, I know you talk. About okay, well, I'm sure somebody will tell us in the in the comments. Oh, you guys are a bunch of dummies. Um, us, not you. 
Um, we would love to talk to you. Um, the ghost Guerrero boxer. Uh, he actually lives uh, near me and uh, he has a, a, a ring downtown. Uh, very cool guy. I think he's a fascinating individual. Some of the things that he's had to do to get to where he is, uh, his, his family, he's just a really individual, a, a really neat guy. We would love to talk to interview him. There's other people we would love to interview. That's, and I mean, that's one of the things we're gonna do, but we really, I really want to start focusing on civics, public civics, work civics. I'm gonna to continue to do this kind of work, period. Uh, like I said, when we did the veteran suicide prevention show, uh, we're gonna do that every year, even if it's the only thing we do. Uh, the other thing that I wanna start doing is trying to be kind of like Toys for Tots in that, uh, we're going to work with a, a 501c3 so that we can get uh, donations to, and you can get the um, tax write-off because we think that's important for you. Um, and we want to help children across the nation. We do, I know out of the three or four followers that we have, we are spread across the nation. Um, uh, we actually have somebody in Vietnam that watches our show. That's kind of cool. Um, and uh and so if you know a child who would like a, a specific gift, we're not gonna send live animals. We just don't think that's safe. And uh, I'm not gonna deliver them either because I'm not gonna go out, but I am gonna allow my beard to grow all the way through December. And uh, uh, we'll do a side show that is just um, Santa Claus and we'll do a background for it. Uh, and we can talk directly to the child, just a really quick, Hey, this is Santa Claus. I'm really, really happy that we were able to get you this present. That kind of, and that's it. I don't want to know where they live. I don't want a picture of them. I, uh, as a matter of fact, that's why we're going to, to partner with a 501c3 so that the, the addresses that come in go directly to that 501c3. They won't come to us and we can protect everybody in the circle, uh, us and the children included. But really, I, I really want to help children the, the light that they get in their eyes when they get a present they didn't expect is unbelievable. Yeah. And I just want to give them that because sometimes that's the only light they get all year. That's what we're going to try to start doing. And you'll know that in probably a couple of weeks after this show. Okay. Thank you all very much for watching. We truly appreciate all of you. Do me a favor, hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Hit the, the bell notification so you don't miss any of our shows. We try to do a show, this kind of show, at least once a week. We are also on Anchor, which can be, uh, our podcast is on Anchor, and that's the audio of these shows. Uh, and you'll be able to get that from uh, Spotify and all the, all the little channels that you can get your podcast on for free. We don't charge for it because, you know, it's, it's not really worth a penny, but there it is. Thank you so much again. Donovan, you're the best, dude. I don't care what anybody says. Have a it's great day. Bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> now. Love you guys. Ciao. Well, I'm Donovan. John's here with us today. Thank you for joining us for the free exchange of ideas, and we'll see you next time on the next show. See ya.